Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cat and Talk. I'm yours, Mona, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. Um, you know, lots to discuss. Plenty of games has gone by. Um, we'll just touch on the result. Arsenal beat Mulder along the way before playing Wolves. 3-0 with Pepe, Nelson, and Bellingham getting his first goal, senior goal for the club. But I'm sure, you know, most of our attention was actually focused on the Wolves game coming up because... Points were dropped by rivals, and we knew this could be an opportunity to get back into the running for top four. Yeah, Arsenal, a game, you know, that I was dreading, you know, facing Wolves because the last league win was the 1st of November versus Man United. And I mean, we have an, we didn't have a home win since October the 4th against Sheffield United. So, you know, tough task again. Yeah, it's, I, I thought we would have been up for it. I mean, we've been given the opportunity, you know, Time and time again, you know, I always tell you personally, this is a big chance, you know, we can do this, this is an opportunity, you know, the team just flipped up there and there about us. And, you know, it just seemed, you know, from the first kickoff, the Arsenal seemed once again, you know, almost at Aston Villa, like not as bad against Aston Villa, but almost like they were, they, this nine o'clock kickoff seems to be, or nine o'clock SA time kickoff seems to be really um, Arsenal seemed to really struggle playing this time. I know they're tired or they go to bed. Yeah, I mean, Arteta stuck with a back four in a four-two-three-one formation. Um, as you said, very slow start again, which is you know it's actually becoming tedious to talk about when you you don't see any sort of change. You know where they they you know literally come flying out of the traps, and I mean that's something you've been really asking for, but. A big moment in fifth minute uh, clash of heads between David Luiz and Jimenez. I mean, Luiz is attacking the ball, and I think Jimenez barely knew what he did by the time, like, you know, he wanted to just get a, a clear, a clearing he had it. And I mean, after a 13 minute delay, Jimenez then gets rushed to hospital. And I mean, from us here at Cannon Talk, and I'm sure most owners, we also wish him a speedy recovery because, I mean, it was a terrible uh, accident. And I mean, you could even hear it loud and clear on the television. Yeah, it was quite you know a scary injury to you. and like you said, yeah, Opie, Opie um, has a speedy recovery, and you know you would think Raul even is out of the game. We think okay, Arsenal kind of you know don't have that main target man, even though he hasn't been firing on full cylinders. But you know they don't have that guy of Raul even has to take care of since he was always a big part of um, the attack. Yeah, and I mean, I think another point also I want to add on with, with regards to that incident. Uh, you know, for me, like, uh, of course, uh, as I say now, it's my personal opinion, but I think it's a real big mistake by Arsenal allowing David Luiz to stay on after yes. that thing. Because, look, how many times haven't we, and I'm not just talking about Arsenal perspective, I'm talking of if you watch any football, if you see a heavy clash of heads, there's always that thing where they, where they say, at, 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 it might not, uh, you might not uh, say pass the that, that staff when they give you that little that concussion test thing, but normally at, at something like that also progresses because I mean I've, I've even heard of cases. I'm not sure if anybody of you guys have heard, but there's even cases where, where people have had a clash of heads, and then the next day at training or a, a day or two later at training they start feeling ill, and then they find out when they go for a scan they've had a concussion. So yeah. I just think it was a big mistake by Arsenal, and I mean you could see. There were certain moments of his decision making it did look groggy and not like, say, the David Luiz we know. Yeah, you, you can't even imagine you know, the pain he must have been feeling as well. I mean, you know, the head injury is not something you shake off. You know, those are one of those injuries that, you know, your head, you know, you're turning side to side, you have to jump up to head of the ball. And I think that kind of, you know, I'm him a bit in yeah. terms of going in for challenges, taking the risks. And you, you, you could see a player that wasn't, you know, willing to put his body on the line. I'm not not in a way that he does put his point in the line, but you know, playing with a bit of caution. Because I think for me, actually, I don't know if it was midway, like with the, you know, between the say 15 minutes when the game commenced again, and 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 uh, say 25th minute, where you could actually see there was this sort of, uh, you know, almost like cautiousness by him, like you know, where he would like, as you mentioned, where he would normally go in for a talent a challenge. He he was almost like kind of backing away or, or allowing somebody else rather to go in because. Yeah, I'm sure, as I said, he was probably feeling groggy all along and, and must have been helpful him to, to also experience that now, you know, having to still play in a high-octane game. And, and, I mean, look, at that time also, Wolves was really starting to up the ante. They were starting to push forward. Arsenal was like, were caught on the heels, really. 
and I mean, Wolves not at at on at all. I think what was it, 25th minute mark? They really started taking control of the game. No, you could see they were passing it, and Adama Traore was really giving us hell as well, him and Neto, respectively. And you know, you and I spoke about dealing with Adama Traore, and and it seemed I don't know why we kind of did it. when we beat Wolves two 0 at the Molineux, Adama Traore was at a very very quiet game. Yeah. But it seemed just like you know, almost that Nuno almost. Um, I thought, not I thought Oteta, but I just thought, okay, I'll come with a different plan to you. And Oteta went to this back four, and you know, Adamatri Ore almost had so much space and freedom. And I think for me, also, uh, you know, a big error number that's going to also not lead to the, the key moment in the game. Kieran Tierney gave him, you know, throughout that first half, I mean, you can actually go through the whole first half even. He gave Traore so much space, and I mean, he, he loves that because like, yes. he's time to think where he's gonna like sprint past you. It gives him time to to almost like judge your sort of footwork if you almost like you know backing off him, whether he's gonna like, you know cut inside, you know get that space to cut inside or just roll past you. And I mean, the words weren't even called, and then the twenty-seven minute, he skins Kieran Tierney because I mean you could see Kieran Tierney almost like yeah. his heels. Ball gets crossed into the box. Then Donka, then, you know, out jumps the whole Arsenal defence. Uh, I mean, at, at one point, I think my daughter saw mentioned to me, she was first kind of flagging Gabriel for it. But then when I had another look at it, Gabriel was actually covering people around him, behind him. You know, that's in that area. And it's almost like the, the uh, um, David Luiz, of course, leaves everything open there. Uh, the, uh, Hector Ballerin is also kind of slow to react, you know, coming back. Of course, everybody else, you know, that's ahead of Bellerin, they are also slow. So, I mean, the Wolves are so, you know, literally, like, you know, pardon the pun, swarming in a pack, you know, around that whole Arsenal area. And I mean, by the time De, uh, Dendonga ends up clipping the crossbar with his powerful leader, the ball comes out, nobody's really reacting to the, the, the loose ball. And, I mean, Neto swoops home and slots it in one of Wolves. You can see that, like, you know, Arsenal's was a trick, few tricks with players. I mean, if you then Donka could fit in Arsenal and him and Partey could have a lovely partnership because, I mean, you look at Xhaka, I think, I don't know if it was that, there was another corner or whether it was that where he out-jumped Xhaka, like, heavily to, to header that ball against the crossbar. And you think to yourself, you know, if you had this, there's a commanding presence right there and you'll see all over the pitch. You know, we always say, you know, you want someone with chalk on, to get chalk on his boots at Arsenal. Look at Adama Traore leading up to the goal. He gasses um, Kieran Tierney and puts the cross in. We don't have that. Why couldn't we have signed Adama Traore? In, you know, you at, at the moment, you're looking at, uh, on the wing, you have Nicolas Pepe that, or the player William or something like that. You, you, you almost have a player that, with the Damatriore who causes havoc regardless of who he plays. I mean, if, if you switched off or give him an ounce of space, he will punish you. And that's what they did to Arsenal now. Wandle down and you're thinking to yourself, you know, as an Arsenal fan, here we go again. It's almost like that negativity hits you the moment that goal, goal, ball goes in the back of the net. And then, of course, you know, three minutes later, what, I, you know, for us schooners, it was like it felt like against the runoff play. Arsenal go up with the one, like, you know, re-attack. William ends up getting, for once, a, you know, pinpoint cross. And I mean, Gabriel ends up doing one of those, what you would normally call a, a training looping header. Because, I mean, he ends up heading the ball goalwards. And I'm still thinking, okay, uh, Patricio has this. But, I mean, when I saw the sort of loop or arc on that ball, when it just like, dropped into the net, I thought, wow, that we really stole that goal. One, I, feel one. Sorry. I feel sorry for Gabriel, eh? I mean, yeah. I, uh, you know, it's the type of player that, you know, if Arsenal don't sort out their problems in the next year, maybe, or, you know, you could be on the radar of Barcelona and, or Real Madrid, or, you know, even a Liverpool might want him to partner by Dijk. And I'm not even exaggerating, he's a top quality centre-back. I mean, there's somebody we've been crying out for years, and if you can get the right partnership with him, before it's too late, because, they, like, there's something I'll probably touch on after the game. You know, but that that is a good goal from Arsenal. One one, and you're thinking, or I was thinking personally, can we flipping at least salvage some points here because we need it, and there's a, the opportunity is there. But I mean, you know, you know, <laughs> after the kickoff, back into our goal, and yeah, 
you know, Neto ended up forcing Leno into a save, you know, with Wolves really upping the tempo now. And I mean, they, you know, it's like they knew, okay, we not scored, so now they're going to take our full advantage now, you know, pressing us. And it's not like we were getting into that point where I was telling you where sometimes we end up sitting so deep or playing so deep. It's when teams get a sort of stranglehold over you, we can't really get ourselves out of it or out of this sort of rut. So, you know, we end up getting just caught on our heels. Everybody starts, you know, being almost like half compact on each other at the back. And it was like, it just adds to the confusion. And I mean, also there again, the way it ends up playing out 42nd minute, Leno then ends up fumbling a, a netto shot. And I mean, Podence bundles the ball in. I mean, like, real, uh, like an ugly goal, but I mean, he ends up bundling the ball in and it's 2-1 before the after. But he used some good, you know, presence of mind there to flick it over this oncoming sliding Gabriel. It's all volleying it past Leno. But if you look at that goal starts, you know, Xhaka gets almost turned it out muscled by Treore. Treore, you know, sprints. Yeah. Gives, the, gives the ball to Neto. You know, also has acres of space to do things that gets the shot away. And everybody's just switched off. Like you said, everybody's on the heels all the time, not looking like they want to be part of this team. And you, you, you get so annoyed. I mean, Arsenal signing players like William, you know, why not sign a guy like Neto? You know, how do you miss a guy like Neto? Or Teore, but instead you go and sign and no disrespect to him, but William who's gonna probably has about two seasons left in him where you could get Treore. Who imagine you have a Saka Treore and a Babiang or you know what I mean? We we or Neto coming into this Arsenal side. It's just I know that it's just a Wolves team that we played against, but you sign players who can make a difference in your team and, and add more value to it. But, you know, as it goes, we keep on signing sometimes players who, who, who are liabilities at times to the club. And I think for me also, what, what, what this game also showed at that point was, uh, you know, Granit Xhaka is just not good enough because, you know, people can, or sometimes, uh, you know, if he plays a few good games, you, you know, you give him the credit and that. But, I mean, you can see he, he's... He really struggled because he's also even gotten to a point now where he's reverting back to his old self, where he's now playing almost like 40 or 50 passes in his own half instead of driving the team forward. And I mean, he's got no idea. Like, he tries to end up with that, that expense of passes. But I mean, it only gets that far done, you know, the job done, because most of the other balls that he ends up playing gets intercepted. And by the time it does get intercepted or he gets, you know, bundled off the ball, he don't have the legs to go back again. To, to, to go into defensive mode. So, it's all sorts of chaos now. I mean, I don't know, maybe if, if say, party comes back from the injury, maybe you can see sort of uh, Xhaka form, you know, eating the form again. But, I mean, for me right now, especially when you're looking at him now to kind of stabilise the midfield, it's a total wrong option. No. I think with Xhaka, you know, if you can maybe tell him to kind of just sit in that quarterback role, play a party and someone else to kind of just run between... And all you need to do is just pick up the ball and distribute. You'll play a better game. But the moment you tell him you need to, you know, run forward, run back, run here, run here, he struggles. He just needs to be told, sit in front of the back four and maybe just pick up all the loose balls and distribute. But otherwise, you're going to keep on having the same problem. And One guy also just wanted to mention, sorry to interrupt, but if you look at Fabinho, he doesn't look like somebody that got some yeah. speed on him. But, I mean, if he makes a mess up in the opposition half, he, I mean, it's guaranteed that he's going to track back and, I mean, he's breathing down your neck already and he's going to probably get in the tackle ahead of you. Yeah. His tackles are second to none, eh? Like, have you seen his timing of his tackle? Yeah. You know, sometimes you see a guy getting away and you just see him takes the guy out, ball and ball, and we miss that in the team. You guess you have a Thomas party, right? He's a very good signing, but you need someone who's going to work alongside him because you can't, you're not going to get the best out of party if you're just going to expect him to do everything. So, Arsenal need another guy, either like Party or like, you know, Fabinho or Xhaka can maybe start taking that kind of role and responsibility where he just sits. Yeah. Because Alneni, you know, also does a good job working with the ball. But, uh, you know, we're struggling for that second guy. I don't know if Lucas Terreira would have added the difference in that position with Party. I don't know. Um, then back to the game. Uh, David Luiz wounded start opening up again in the 44th minute. Just as we entered now, um, half-time. Second half, uh, Luis was inside by Rob Holding. Um, also, I mean, you could sort of see, uh, you know, as the game now started 
you know, going into its form again. Wolves did try attacking for some part, you know, in the, in the early parts of the second half. But also they were getting to us also so, so, sort of what we have, we hold. So it's not like if you're going to come at us, then we'll probably counter-attack you. But we're not going to go, you know, all-out attack like the, you know, the natural game. Um, I think, it, I think um, Traore then ends up getting booked for diving. I mean, it was a, a good challenge by Gabriel. I mean, I think he just pulls his foot away in time when Traore is about to start throwing himself to the deck. Uh, Arsenal, of course, then, you know, have this typical brain fart moment where Bellerin again ends up giving a needless back pass. I think that, that Podens ends up uh, nicking in to steal. But, I mean, Rob Holding then comes to clean up the, the mess that Bellerin left. Oh, it's... Uh, we we just seem so nervous, and you know, it's like the, 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 these players lack self belief. You never say these are the guys that you know beat Wolves at the end of last season, beat Liverpool, beat Man City, and beat Chelsea. You know mm. what, what has happened in that time to now, and they just struggle. You know, they yes, they made opportunities in the second half, but you have to look back and ask yourself, you know, were the Wolves really quaking in their boots? Mm. I'm not sixty-five minute William and comes off. I mean, but I mean, but for the cross, there was nothing. You know, that led to the Gabriel goal. There was nothing really contributed to the side. So he comes off. Uh, Reese Nelson comes on, and for me, that was almost like the moment where you could actually see Arsenal look fresher, look yes. like a more attacking threat because you could see Wolves at one point. You could see also the way uh, Nuno Santo was also making his his changes where. He was trying to think, okay, we have to be a bit more cautious here. We can't just now, you know, go toe-to-toe with him now because they now got the upper hand. And I really thought the sort of momentum we were building up, we were going to sort of, you know, get the edge over them. But this is now going to lead me to a problem that can even be a talking point within the the podcast now. The sort of attitude that Aubameyang has because, you know, he ends up charging down a Rui Patricio goal kick. And I mean, you know for a fact, how many times we saw last season also when he charges down people's, uh, the goalkeeper's goal kicks or, or you know, kicking out of the area. He, he's so quick to react. I mean, he's either going to score from it or set somebody up for a goal. But I mean, for me, it's like he did not even know what he must do because I just thought, you know, with, with a bit quicker reaction and, you know, mental now, he's going to now tr- somehow conjure up something to, to bag a goal. But I mean, he ends up dallying on the ball. Like, his touch is also so loose and I mean, I honestly don't know what is going on in that Aubameyang's head at the moment because, yes, I could understand if there is like totally nothing coming our way. But, you know, the team is at times trying to carve out chances for him or at times even lucker. But it's like you just don't have that sort of cutting edge that we need. And especially when your form is low, you need to, you know, pick up any sort of scrap like this and, and score. Yeah, you know, there's a few things I want to touch on, you know, after we, we finish with the game or after we finish with, you know, all the games about... Okay. About uh, Aubameyang in general and the team, but mm-hmm. you know, you 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 just couldn't see anymore. You know, Arsenal like you, you know the at the game made it off. You know, into late seventies, eightieth minute. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've mentioned this like many times, and I probably sound like a broken record, but you remember Arsenal even like you know even when we weren't successful. In terms of it's all the weird stuff like that, but come 70, 80, 90 minutes, you know, Arsenal would have had you until you know they maybe sneak in an equalizer or something, but it's just flat. The team doesn't even the team doesn't even seem to worry anymore at, at this at when it becomes like you know, 75th minute, 80th minute, the team just set up their store and the game just you know peters out. Like I said, it comes on in the 81st minute for Karanda Chaka, and I think. Then I think a minute later, fantastic ball by Bellerin. And, you know, I was really thinking to myself, you know, this is now a, a on the money cross. You know, let our main man yeah. you know, take this ball. And what does he do? He just like barely glances the ball sideways. And I mean, he's not even working the keeper. He's not even coming with intent. And even just listening this morning and last night also to that couple of Premier League football shows with Ian Wright and Glenn Hoddle. And, and uh, even Ian Wright, and I mean, look, Ian Wright loves Aubameyang. Yeah. And he even said, you know, if he showed a bit like the sort of intent that Cavani went for for mm. his goal the, um, against Southampton the other day, or something that Jamie, Jamie Vardy would do, even if he's going to get yeah. in the face or whatever, he's going to throw himself with intent at the ball. 
But it's like Obama was like, you know, I couldn't be there. And then, you know, to see that sort of attitude in, in almost like a key player. And uh, the same way Arsenal fans felt, you know, at times when you want to say the best of, of, of Mesut Ozil, and you just don't see that sort of, you know, him pushing himself to that sort of level where he helps push the team just over the line. And I think that's where we all look at Obama and thinking almost like that moment is the, th- the moment that, you know, just gets us over the line or, I mean, you can go even back a few weeks back uh, uh, further, where <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the sort of header that or half-hearted header that, like I said, they had against Leicester City when we could have almost. I, I know uh, one was disallowed, but there was a point where we could even take the game again away from Leicester, and we still failed to do it. Yeah, I know you're hundred percent right, and the thing is, I know we think about your rule, but you, you know, we. Ah, in, when we had Jeru, you know, we, we needed a top-class striker who could finish. And, you know, Aubameyang's goals have been key, no doubt. But you must have Jeru, that, 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 that attitude and, and hunger he had, you know, to that give his all for the team. That, that option we missed, that, you know, having a lanky forward that, that can really attack aerial balls. And we just don't have that. Or somebody that even can hold the, hold the ball up. And not just hold the ball up for the partner, the strike partner, but... Hold the ball up so that the wingers can come in, the attack midfielders can come into play. So you almost like you're literally swarming them. And this is exactly what he's doing. I mean, he's he's like at one point Jeru was almost like you know one foot in, one foot out at Chelsea. But I mean, he's still loved by the old squad, and you can also see he still adds a hell of a lot to that team. And that is what, as you now bringing up now, that is what you can see. We are solely, solely missing at the club. I mean, you could even play a Bobby on the left if you truly want to and have him, you know, sometimes spearhead your attack because he will bring a Bamiang into the game. You know, he will enter into a Bamiang's path. He will haggle and hassle the defenders. So that, I mean, he, he ties you out. I mean, a, a guy like Jeru all the time, you know, he's, he's, he's challenging everything with you. He's chasing you down. He's, he's putting his body on the line. And that is something, you know, it, it could be a, a short-term option just to kind of, Bring something with a different dimension, but then you ask yourself, you know, where do you play Lacazette in the team again? Who, who still has age on his side? Who we supposed to be the guy that's priming to kind of take over the mantle from Aubameyang in the years to come? I mean, like uh, you know, the few games that my daughter's been watching now with me, uh, like look, we watch like all football in it, and I mean, when we watch Chelsea matches, then she normally would tell me. You know, I can't believe the way he gets his little angles in and he plays in yeah. some, uh, You know, like, like a little glancing header, uh, goal words, and you'll see somebody at the end of it. Or from a corner, he's the one darting to the near post to flick the ball on and to cause total chaos in the, in, in the opposing box. And mind you, he's, he's, he's contributed to a lot of assists for uh, uh, key assists. You know, you talk about both FA Cup finals we won, Al City and um, Chelsea. And yeah. you also just look at those goals he gets, you know, when he sticks his head in or he, he does something. He always does something. And I guess as an Arsenal fan, you know, me personally took it for granted until he left and he started realizing the hole he, he left in the side. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I think Arsenal were too hasty in, in, in getting rid of him because I still think, yeah, he had a lot to offer. And I mean, I think even he knew he had a lot to offer. And I mean, so he's, he's kind of. At times, it looks like he's also get, he's, he's getting taken for granted also at Chelsea right now. So, I mean, you can see he's somebody that like wants to be loved, but you can see Lampard is not really... He's going to yeah. be a squad player, but he's not really going to, you know, be, you know, getting cemented in that, that first-team squad of Chelsea. Yeah, it's, it's a pity. And, and, and I guess it's, it's starting to show that, like you said, we, we're missing it in the squad and we just couldn't travel... Wolves and and like you said, if Arsenal don't trouble you with their with their style of play that they initially you know set up to play, yeah. then 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 there's no way getting around it. Like they're going to struggle, and then there's no plan B. So we need somebody in that mold at least, if not Giroud, because he's 34. So you know you don't know how long how much you can get out of him. So yes, no, you don't know Sigar getting the equalizer <laughs> Arsenal. End up losing 2-1 full-time score. But then, and, and I mean, for me, shocking reading at the end of the game. After 10 games, 5 losses, and 14 in the league. Yeah, that's... I mean, even Roy Keane had a go at us saying that uh, uh, he thinks we won't get relegated. We're good enough to not get relegated. But, yeah, yeah so, I mean, you got to wonder, 
you know, way too familiar. So we switch our attention now to Arsenal versus Rapid Vienna. A nice distraction to be <laughs> in the league. Um, the Austrians into London, you know, chasing second spot in Group B. Since, you know, I think Mulder slightly is, you know, uh, edge over them at the moment. Um, 2,000 Gooners were already allowed into the stadium as UK clubs now, you know, allowing small amounts of fans back in, which was, I mean, amazing. It's not only sight, but also sound because you could actually hear you didn't need EA Sports supplementing <laughs> the audio. But I mean, you had now, you know, real crowd singing, chanting. And I mean, for me, there was a real buzz. And I mean, even b- before the game, people like Martin Keown and Peter Crouch that were um, the pundits on the evening. Even they also said they had like goosebumps just listening to them. Yeah, I guess one takes for granted all these things that, that COVID took away. And it's good to see the fans are, are back in action again. I mean, they play a big part yeah. in willing the team on, especially, you know, in a game like Wolves uh, previously. We had fans cheering you on, you know, maybe a different result. But I think Arsenal made a lot of changes from the, the, the league game. So we almost saw an entirely different squad coming up. And good to see Pablo Marie back in the team again. Yeah, it was a full 11 changes for, for Arteta. Uh, the starting 11 was Runason, uh, Cedric, Mustafi, Mari, Kolasinac, and then midfield was Nelson, Pepe, Elneny, uh, Ainsley Maitland, Niles, which was surprising and all, but actually a ple- pleasant surprise because we all know Maitland Niles wants to be in that slot. Um, up front, we had uh, Lacazette and Ketia, and I think the formation, even though they put out 4 2 3 1. The more I was watching the game, it's like, you know, when the game started, you could actually see the game taking shape. And it was actually something like a 4-4-1-1 because Lacazette was playing more like a central attack midfielder or, or slash number 10. And Ketia was, you know, leading the line. What was your thoughts, the, the sort of setup? No, I, I enjoyed it. And I think, um, like I said, you know, you, you see you could possibly work around having, like I said, playing with a Bobby and if you do a similar sort of formation like that where they play... Um, like I said, as a cam or second striker, I think it allows him to get into the pocket of space. Yeah. It allows him to, you know, distract defenders to put players out of position, and it will allow Babiang freedom. So I think it allowed Nketiah more of a. I gotta say, you know, Nketiah when he plays up front, he struggles because there's yeah. no support, and I think it brought that more out of Nketiah. And I think this role could be a bit more suited for, like I said, funny enough. I mean, what I actually enjoyed, I mean, of course, look, we still go through, you know, slot by slot with, with how things go, uh, highlights and, and that in the game. But I think what I really enjoyed about watching was in Ketia's game. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm normally one of his biggest critics, but yeah. I love the way he was doing the sort of runs that Michael Owen used to do back in the day for Liverpool, where he yes. would run, like do a diagonal run, and he's like taking two to three players with him. And I mean, it almost like just opens up everything, and I think... That leads, uh, you know, that one point where, where uh, Maitland-Niles ends up, I mean, uh, we're still going to get to it, but the Maitland-Niles chance, that was something that Enkete, of all people, created. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think if you get the right personnel playing in the positions, I mean, you, you, you can make it work. Yeah. So, the deadlock gets broken 10th minute. Uh, our new number 10, <laughs> like I said, picks up the wall. The loose ball in the middle of the uh, rapid Vienna midfield, uh, you know, he ends up just you know kind of lining himself, getting uh, edging himself forward, and almost like out of the blue, he just lets her up with his rocket, and I mean, <laughs> just zipping past the keeper, wonder lost or what the fuck. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, we could put it in the Premier League, but yeah, the keeper didn't know what to do. So you remind me of Alexis Sanchez versus uh, Maston Villa, that we shake even just smiled afterwards because he knew. But yeah, what a shot and what a way to start the game. And I think he needed that. It kind of gave him that boost of, of like, you know, when he, you could see that the way he celebrated how much this goal meant to him. I don't know what I love the idea of the game. And I mean, of course, yes, I know it's just, say people will say, yes, it's just happened to Vienna, but. For me, it's it's just you know to have a start like that again it was almost like you know giving you that, that sort of throwback to you know when we were like you know wiping teams off the you know the park because just the way the start is so you know intense and aggressive because look the tackling was going in hard the pressure was almost like half smothering in them at times and the constant you know interchanging of players and the running of the ball I mean I loved it. Yeah, Reese Nelson made a massive difference starting, and I actually hope he starts on the weekend because he's, he he adds a lot to this pace. 
He's very quick thinker on the ball. He doesn't hold it too long, and he always looks to play someone in space. Yeah. Uh, 18th minute, then Rius Nelson ends up taking a corner. It beats the whole Rapid Vienna squad, and uh, Pablo Maria, of all people, nips in and scores 2-0 Arsenal. Good way to get his return. And you know, there's one thing that always stuck to me um, that you mentioned, and you mentioned it way back in one of the podcasts, that the Arsenal defence always seem a bit calmer when you have Marie, Marie in the middle at the back. I mean, you could put Mustafi next to him. And there was a time Mustafi was playing well next to him as well. But it's just, I, I think... Marie, if maybe even Gabriel could forge a partnership, you know, with Louise deputizing when he needs to, it, it could maybe be something that could work moving I, forward. Look, I know, of course, early days we've seen him only, like, you know, saying a handful of, of matches, but it's like he doesn't get flustered even when, you know, the heat is on him. And I mean, if you take, as you now mentioned, if you take that sort of attitude and you put him alongside somebody that, that has the sort of desire that, that uh, Gabriel is, I mean, it, it could be a hell of a, a combo. In, in central defense, yeah, it, it, it seems like it could work. If you put a decent thinker in front of him, like, yeah, yeah. um, I, I know, I know we'll probably get there, but that Hoiberg of um Tottenham, you can see when they wing backs push forward, he almost slots in as that, that third center back and splits the two center backs so they can cover left and right. We need to start doing that as well. Well, like you know, you mentioned it, Fernandinho does it, Fabinho does it. We need that one player, and it can't be party because party, you know, is all over the field. That that just drops in and adds that extra body. But you know, good goal for Pablo Marie and you know, two 0 to Arsenal. And then twentieth minute, that's the moment I was now talking about where Adrian Michael Niles gets the ball, just I think inside the the rapid VN off, you know, ends up not getting tackled, goes on a sort of loping run. Uh, you know, you, you can see everybody's like, you know, kind of cautious to what is going to happen like as he's approaching the goal. And, you know, as I said now, Nketiah does this cross. I think about two guys with him. And you can actually see, like, you know, the the, 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 the tide opening up, the Red Sea, I should say. <laughs> they open up. And, I mean, it, it gives Maitland Niles a perfect opportunity or perfect channel to run through. But, I mean, he ends up, I think he got them, like, too excited. And then he ended up just uh, banging the left foot, like, wide of goal. Yeah, it's, we we start playing more attacking brand of football. I didn't even have to do with the formation change or the personnel in the various positions that were, how can I say, more players playing with less free with less pressure. You know, not thinking to myself, okay, we have to get the result. We have to get the result. Then, like I said, ends up in the post twenty seventh minute with the keeper, you know, beaten. I mean, it was fantastic yeah. also because you can see the shot itself was already bending around the keeper's sand, and, I mean, it just ends up hitting the base of the post. Uh, 44th minute, Nketiah then finally bags his goal. Fantastic work by Pepe on the left flank. He ends up playing the ball against the run of the, the rapid Vienna defender, which, uh, you know, by the time he, he can try to adjust himself to get to the ball, Nelson was already there and teeing up, and Nketiah first finds a shot at the keeper, but the ball ricochets, and he ends up just uh, glancing ahead and past the keeper. 3-0 Arsenal. I was really impressed with um, Reese Nelson, that quick thinking ball he played into the path of Nketiah. It's it's something we, we haven't been doing much of that recently. Yeah, because I actually thought he was going to have a proper goal because, I mean, just the way Pepe's pass already put that defender, you know, on the back foot. I thought, okay, here's your opportunity to get control of the ball and, you know, shoot. But, I mean, per, I mean the way he teased it up for, for, for Nketiah was almost like what you see in in a training ground video. No, 100%. But 3-0 Arsenal at the half and you, you know, basically qualifications sorted and you just wanted that type of attitude Arsenal would come out in the second half. Arsenal, of course, you know, come again out firing second half. Uh, they have a penalty denied. I mean, it was a close or a very tight call with, with the decision. But I mean, it's just where Arsenal are not in that. So, you know, the ref played on. And immediately with that counter-attack from uh, Rapid Vienna, uh, Koya Kitagawa, he ends up banging a goal totally against the runoff play 3-1 Arsenal. Colosinus did try his best, though. I know he always slated him for his defensive awareness, <laughs> but he, he did very well there. I thought, shame, and eventually it will end up in the net. What was it? First, a block with the backside. Yes. The chest. Yes. The, the third opportunity goes in. But it just shows how, you know, it's 3-1 at the time, but it just shows you, you know, you mentioned it with a um, shot of Leno where that Bowden's 
to capitalize because everybody switched off and both goals of Wolves actually. But you see it here as well, you know, Kalisidas is trying his best there, put his body in the line, the ball loops up, and like the players are just like watching the ball instead of like, you know, trying to be aware to to make close down. Yeah, everybody was just ball watching but Kolasinac and, and, and uh, Runasson. So, typical Arsenal. So, 57 minute, Pepe then ends up forcing a good save out of Richard uh, Strebe uh, Binger. I mean, it was, that, that, I think that goalie also of, of Rapid Vienna also stopped him from, you know, the scoreline getting to the point of embarrassment because, I mean, the sort of stuff that he was pulling off, especially second half, I mean, it, it kept the scoreline still very respectable. Yeah, and I, I think Arsenal, uh, this is Arsenal's opportunity to kind of, you know, put goals on the board and, and just boost your confidence um, for for the remaining games coming up. Yeah, Arsenal then made in the 63rd minute the triple substitution. Off came Lacazette, Nelson and Eldeni, and on came William Smith-Rowe and Sebayos. Uh, good changes in getting some fresh legs on. I wonder if it gave us an idea of who maybe he wants to... To, to, to start on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, 66 minute. Fantastic work by Maitland-Niles. I forgot who was the one leading up to the whole move, but great work to get in the box. Was it, was it Sebeos that played him in? Yeah, I think it was Sebeos. Because, I mean, it was an inch-perfect pass, and then, I mean, Maitland-Niles gets the ball, tees up Emil Smith-Rowe, and the youngster bags his goal. 4-1 Arsenal. Good to see him back on the pitch again in Arsenal colours. Yeah, I love though, you know, we could actually hear the microphone chatter as they were celebrating the goal. Where they were giving away, I think Maitland Niles, you know, I forgot the line that he actually told Maitland Niles. So it was almost like, you know, you got your goal in the game. Well, that's good. It's good to see that camaraderie still there in certain players. Yeah, uh, 70th minute, Mustafi then came off. And then, you know, the long forgotten Callum Chambers, he made <laughs> the squad. I mean, I was so happy for him because. Look, his injury came also at the worst time because he was just hitting the sort of yeah. patch for Arsenal. And I mean, I think it was still the Chelsea game where at that, up to the point where he got injured, he was like, you know, dominating the game at the Emirates. And then he came off. And it's not like every, the whole game plan actually went out of the window that day. Yeah, it's good to I hope he can get back to his old form because, I mean, you know, there is still potential there for him. I mean, it's just unfortunate every time he's been plagued by injuries. In the 80th minute, Severus and Ezra, you know, finds a shot that the freaky kick oh, which the end of the keeper just saved. I mean, I first thought it was like, you know, a real fantastic freaky one. When I saw from behind, yeah. it was more like, it just bent around the wall, but it did it sort of like straightening out and it was like a straightforward save for the keeper because I was actually thinking he was going to try to gun it for, you know, the left or top right corner, just one of it to get the keeper really working. Yeah, it seemed like he just needed to eat it a bit wider, it started freaking a bit wider to get that pen to come in like he, he did. That's why it probably ended up so close to the keeper. Yeah, then 81st minute, Callum Chambers in there's a, a corner headed, uh, like one of his corners headed off the line by Erkan Kara. I mean, it was a good looping header, and I mean, it was, you know, on the money for to be a, a fifth goal. Yeah, it would, have, it would have been nice to have a nice high five. Uh, and scoring five at the Emirates would have been a good uh, confidence boost. Since we know he's running a drought there recently. Yeah, I think we also need a good flood of goals. I mean, I just hope we can get a sort of flood of goals also in the league eventually because it's not like the goals have dried up there and we kind of free scoring in the Europa League. I guess, it, I guess it's the personnel playing with less pressure on their shoulders. I think. I think Arteta was maybe maybe too rigid in the Premier League where he plays with a bit more expression and freedom in the Europa League. Yeah, Arsenal in, in the group uh, as winners with one game to spare. And so I think, you know, with the last game against Dundalk in Ireland, it's probably going to be a, you know, probably everybody that has not gotten a game. So probably a very inexperienced side. I mean, unless he still wants to go further, but, like, you know, really force on the advantage. But, I mean, I, I think he would probably want to, you know, save as many as he can and just let say, the youngsters play. Because, look, Dundalk have, I think, lost just about every game. I think they probably drew one game, maybe. But, I mean, everything else they've lost. And and, and I do think also that, you know, I think, and I'm not sure the date, but the, the, the Carabao Cup quarterfinals is coming up very soon. Yeah, that was the game, I think, coming up, I believe. Uh, was it? Something like two weeks' time, because I think next week is still the last round of yeah. League, Europa League ties. 
And then I think the draw could be already there for the knockout phase, you know, before there's like a big pause in the tournament. Um, we now just spread our attention now to the North London derby, big bet, big oh. for the week. Spurs versus Arsenal. Um, this is now, you know, a North London derby where Spurs haven't lost now to Arsenal in the last four matches. Well, they've won two, they've drawn two. And I think Party is also, Thomas Party is also racing now to be fit for the derby. I mean, I, you know, fingers crossed that he gets the nod to play the game because I, I really think he's sort of heart and stamina you're going to need in this sort of game. You know, to really sort of boss, you know, people like you that you mentioned are like Hoiberg and, and then to, you know, really get the foot stuck in on them. I mean, Spurs are flying high at the moment, let's be honest. Like, I don't think, I mean, we've, we've probably have, but I don't think we've, we've, as far as I can remember, come across a Spurs team that's top of the log like they are now, that is booming with confidence. Right now, I think, you know, even I feel a bit nervous for this North London derby because Mourinho seems to be getting the best of his players. They they, they put uh, Man City to the sword. And I do feel that if Arsenal, you know, aren't, aren't caught, clever how they play this game, they could be trouble. Players need to, you know, if, I think if, if, if players don't come up, you know, dirt and the blood with tears on their shirts, we're going to be angry because, I mean, this is a game that we can't afford to lose. You know, in not just North London, like Pride, but, you know, where we're going to be in the log if we end up throwing points away in this game. Yeah, because look, Spurs already free scoring at the moment, 21 goals for, 9 against. And, I mean, if you take ours, we something like, what, 9 goals for, and I think, what was it, 10 or 11 against? So, I mean, there's already, you know, kind of first problem arising. And I mean, we look also at the, the, the stats. Um, Eric Kane averaged 8 out of 10 per game. Uh, Son, 7.6 per game. And Dahati, 7.3 per game. Uh, goals for them, Son, 9. Uh, Kane, 7. So, someone like they, they also, I think if you even go into the assist category, you've got Son with 9 goals and you've got Kane with 9 assists. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and like, you know, you, you need those two people that are going to run the show, but you also need those guys that's going to chip in. We have no one at the moment. And that's the scary thing. And yeah. I think. Just a, throwback. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Just a throwback now to what we have. It's like Arsenal goals, Lacazette, three, Gabriel and Aubameyang, two each. And then for assists, we've got William with three and Bellerin with two and Sibius with one. Oh. I know we said we wanted to spread across players, but we wanted higher figures instead of such low figures. And numbers are really shocking. I mean, I as I said, I expect more, but I just think you know, if if you compare look like look with Man City, I didn't watch most of the game. I just watched parts of it. But it's like Man City were trying to go say toe to toe with with um, with Spurs, and kind of you know saw saw their backside at the end of it, whereas. Arsenal, I think, is going to go probably that same route that they did against uh, United, <coughs> excuse me, where they, they know they're good for a goal somewhere down the line. You know, almost like they will somehow kind of conjure up something for Aubameyang or Lacazette or somebody up front to, to sneak one in. Because I just think, uh, if you think how we lost also Tottenham close to the end of last season, we Tottenham were playing this little football that <clears throat> on the other day, you know, the team will beat them up a little post, but I mean, they knew exactly, I mean, look, Marino is a master, master tactician, and he knew exactly if they just sit and almost like frustrate us, close all the avenues up, we're going to get frustrated, end up, you know, knocking the ball around in our box, and I mean, by the time they sneak the ball off us, they will uh, steal a goal in. Yeah, this is hope that, you know, we can get some sort of result, and I wonder how we're going to set up, because you know, Spurs with Oiberg has been immense to to um, to Tottenham side, and and you just have you just you see the difference of signing Premier League ready players at times. What the difference they can make for you instead of you know trying to go abroad and paying even over the odds for a player abroad, and then you know they 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 can't fit into your side. So I, I'm just a bit skeptical at Arsenal. I hope they just come up, start hard, and, and don't allow. Um, Tottenham to pass the game. Yeah, so we have now that, and as we're not close to wrapping up, you know, I'm not going to go too much into detail, but we also now have the, the last group game then coming up next week, Thursday. 
which also should be also a nice roundup or round off to this group phase because I think we also miss you know having matches again on Saturdays again once this oh yes the Europa League break comes comes into play again so. I'll end of the podcast now. I don't know if you have anything else to talk about. No, I have just one kind of point, you know, like as with the bombing in the Arsenal squad in the whole Uzel thing. Like, do you think the players are kind of trying to, I'm not saying they're trying to throw the game, but trying to make a statement that they want Uzel back in the team? Because I read a lot of things where they said it's not even a Tetris choice to leave Uzel out and it's coming from up above. And there's just so many things going around. But I mean, how does Arsenal go from, you know, dominating Man United to just utter um, poor performances, you know, off the bat straight after those games? I mean... Yeah, I mean like, that Villa one was almost like a real slap in the face of how bad we can be on the day if we... You know, if nothing is going to get changed creativity-wise in the squad because it also came down to that. There was also nothing being carved out in the middle of the park, so... Uh, people like Grealish and and, and um, Barkley, they want to just allow the, 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 like the freedom of the Emirates to, to dictate whatever. But I just think, uh, you know, stuff isn't easy not to say, but if we are not going to invest by January, then, I mean, Arsenal or Arteta will have to look at kind of persuading them to somehow bring him uh, in, in some sort of form into the squad again. Because... You, I mean, you can't go in like this where nothing is happening. And then maybe, uh, I know we always, uh, I, uh, I normally have a kind of gripe about when people talk about that thing that they call the second assistant. Right? But maybe you need somebody like that to lead us to something further then. Because if we are not going to, you know, dip in our pockets to get some sort of creative player like that, uh, that, that Salazar of, of um, Salzburg uh, or, you know, hour of, of Lyon, but I mean, I don't think he wants to actually leave, you know, in, in such a key point of the season for them. But I mean, like with, with Salzburg on the verge of almost like elimination from the Champions League, maybe that's also an option for us where we can use somebody like that in the league again. And, and Jack Wilshere on a play-as-you-play, I know that's been thrown around a lot. Do you think that's worth a, a punt or do you think we, we have really too many promising youngsters that we don't need that in the team? I don't know. I mean, at, at times, uh, Wallach flatters to receive. I mean, yeah, there's some moments when you see him say in the Europa League, then he can kind of boss the team. But when you watch him in, let's say, a league match, then you can see he does struggle or, or goes missing. So, I mean, I'm not, like, you know, I'm sure how I would go about that. That sense. But, I mean, as I said, come uh, January, if we cannot get rid of people like, say, uh, Socrates and even. Urzel, then I mean, maybe Arteta will have to look at somehow integrating him in the squad in some form. Nah, definitely, especially with Urzel. You know, he, yeah. he, if, if you watch his, his highlights for the team, you see, you see he has the potential. And I think if you can get, like you always mentioned, two bodyguards in the sentiments of the park, I mean, you can allow him to, to play his game, which we kind of need that guy to open unlock teams, even if he's a flat track bully. Like, you know, you call it weak. You only perform against the weaker teams, you know. It, 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 it all adds up because it's a season, you know. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, you just use him in certain games, you know. When you yeah. Play a certain type of team, mm-hmm. then you play him. But if you're going to play, like, say, top six team or whatever, then, you know, you, you go to back to your, your solid guns again. Yeah, and, and, and if, you, if you think about it at the end of the day, you know, yeah. Arsenal seem to be... I'm not saying all the time. We've been coping fairly well against the big six teams. So you leave Ozil out and go with that more rigid formation. When you come against the smaller teams, no disrespect because at the moment it doesn't seem to be smaller teams at the Premier League. But you play a more free-flowing game. It's almost like, you know, you need to kind of play the Wenger way against the lower teams and the Arteta way against your big six teams. That kind of combination could help you win it or end you in the top four, or at this point now, at least get us in the top half of the league. But yeah, that's all I have on talking points. Yeah, that's a good point to wrap up the podcast with. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Let's hope the North London derby, you know, we can get something out of the game because, I mean, it's going to be one hell of a game. So take care, guys. Stay safe. Bye. Stay safe, guys. Let's hope we can win at White Hart Lane.